Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many things you've blessed us with this day. And we truly thank you for the blessed opportunity to be able to get back into your word. Help us now as we study this and give us the meaning of it and help us be encouraged to go out and share the wondrous gift that you have given us. Thank you so much for it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. A gift that we can share. This time of year, people are searching for the perfect gift to give someone for Christmas. But we give gifts throughout the year and various celebrations, either anniversaries or graduations or birthdays most often, and of course Christmas gifts every year. And the ultimate gift was given to us, of course, by God, given us His only begotten Son, as we see in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a gift. And a gift is something that is given and not expected anything in return. A true gift like the gift that God gave us. He doesn't expect us to have to earn that gift. It's given to us by grace, which grace is that unmerited favor. Whether we deserve it or not, He still has that gift available for us. And He loves us. He cares for us that much that He has made that ultimate gift available to us. And Jesus Christ paid that price for that gift. He purchased us back from Satan. We merely need to accept that gift, reaching it out. Here it is. Take it, receive it, and apply it. Which is interesting when you receive a gift from someone else. If you take that gift and you... You look at it and you, you treasure it and it's really precious and then you do absolutely nothing with it. You haven't applied that gift. But if you take that gift, if it's wrapped up, you unwrap it and you see it and it all smiles and you're thankful and then you apply, you actually use that gift, then it becomes more valuable to you. It actually has a purpose. It actually achieves something. And that's like the gift of salvation that He gives us. It's a gift also that we can turn around and give to someone else yet we still have ourselves. The gifts that you'll receive for Christmas might be a tangible item that someone gives you, and then if you take that and give it to someone else, then you no longer have it. But the kind of gift that Jesus Christ has provided for us by the gift of God through Jesus Christ, that's the kind of gift that we can have, plus also give to someone else, but we still have it even when we give it to someone else. And that's the awesome thing. And He gives us the opportunity to be able to give that gift. He actually even gives us that are believers the commission, which means the assignment to go out and share that gift. As He tells us over in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. These are the words of Jesus Christ shortly before His ascension up to heaven. He gives the the apostles and the disciples that were there at that time, a special assignment, which applies to us as well. He gives us a chance, an opportunity to be a part of His work. Because ultimately the Holy Ghost is doing the most important part of the work, but He allows us to tag along and, and get some rewards in the process of doing some of that work. So here He explains it in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That's the Great Commission. That's the permission that we have. That's the opportunity that we have to be able to share the gospel, to be able to share what he has given us with others out there in the world, which is so awesome. When you see how someone's life is completely transformed, when they take the gift of salvation and when they apply it properly, and as 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 describes it, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. It is a gift that is beyond what we can even comprehend and properly describe to someone else. We can describe to people our experiences. We can describe to people the blessings that we have received from the Lord. We can describe to them the feeling that we have when we're lonely or in despair or in need and how the Lord gives us that peace that passeth all understanding. Those are all areas where we can share the love of Jesus Christ. And when we can share that gift, when we express to others how the Lord gives us so much comfort, so much peace, so many blessings, that's part of the sharing of that gift. Over in Luke, in chapter 2, look at some of the account of the, the Christmas season and the event that took place some 2,000 years ago. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Good tidings of great joy to everyone. That means it's available to everyone. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That awesome experience that they had there to see that nativity, to be a part of that nativity. But the key there is that there was a gift coming that would be available to everyone and that he is the Savior and that he is Christ the Lord. Christ, which also means Messiah, which means the anointed one, the chosen one. And then you have Lord, which means ultimate authority. And you have Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. So you have all that put together in Jesus Christ the Lord. And that's what we have. The Savior, which means the one who is able to save us, to bring us out of a damnation that will result in us going to hell for eternity into the lake of fire. That is available. It's a gift. It's out there. It's held out by the Holy Ghost. Calling you in. Come on in. Receive that gift. But you've got to reach out and actually take it and apply it. If you just hear it and you reject it, say, no, I don't want that. You're worse off than you hadn't heard it at all. He tells us about that in here. Because you reject it, then that counts against you. 
But as he said there again in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Should not perish. Some of the translations put it, shall not perish. But they are not emphasizing the should not. Because there are people that hear the gospel, that know that Jesus Christ is real, but have not accepted him as Lord, part of his title, ultimate authority. They do not want to give the authority to Jesus Christ. They see the gift, it's handed out to them, but they haven't taken it and applied it. Until you take it and apply it, you haven't fully received it. Just like when he was instructing the disciples about his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. They heard it, but yet they didn't know it until they saw it fulfilled. You can hear the gospel and understand what they're talking about in a logical way, and you can still reject that. You can be anti-Christ, and you believe that Jesus Christ exists, therefore you are anti-Christ. You couldn't be anti-something you don't believe it exists to begin with. So the Antichrist people out there know that he exists. They just hate him and don't want anything to do with him. They are into what was Satan and following Satan, not Jesus Christ. But they know him. They know him in a logical way. They know that he exists. So there's a difference. We've got to look at this John 3.16 a little further. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, you should not. If you believe in Him, you shouldn't perish. You've got to truly believe in Him. By truly believing in Jesus Christ, you become converted. You become a new creature in Christ. You become born again. You can break down the word believing, which means by living in. When you truly believe in Jesus Christ, you are living in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is in you. When you truly believe, and by living in Jesus Christ and He in you, then you have accepted it, you have received it, then you are truly born again. Like he says, as he continues to teach in John chapter 3 and verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So they saw the light, they recognized, hey, that's light, I've got to stay out of that. So they believed in the light, but they don't want that light. They run from that light, they go into the darkness. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved or revealed. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God, worked in God. The believers want to be seen. They want to share the light. Not their light, it's the light of Jesus Christ that they have the opportunity to shine into those around. Another key thing there. To always give God all the honor and all the glory concerning the light because light comes from God, not from us. He
He paid the ultimate price for us on the cross. And He took on all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future. And on that cross, in John chapter 19, verse 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. See, He said it is finished. Therefore, it is His finished work that we stand upon. He paid for it. He paid for it for us. We didn't pay for it ourselves. We could never pay for it ourselves. We could live a thousand lifetimes over and live as perfectly as we possibly could. We still couldn't earn salvation. There's no way. Only Jesus Christ could pay that ultimate price because He's the only one that was able to live a perfect life, a perfect sinless life, and pay that ultimate price. And He is the propitiation, which means the payment. Because all the gifts that we go out and get, you go out and you pay for them. There's got to be some kind of exchange there. Same thing with the gift of salvation. There had to be some kind of payment paid. There was a penalty, and it had to be paid. A penalty for sin. Jesus Christ paid that penalty. In 1 John chapter 2, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for all sins. When He was on that cross, when He said, It is finished, means it's finished. I paid the price. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And that's horrible that He had to take on not only the sins of the ones that would come to Him, but also for the sins of the ones that reject Him, that fight Him, that go up against Him, that were part of crucifying Him. He was paying for their sins as well. And you look around, you see some of the horrible things that are going on in the world today, and He paid for those sins even before they were created and done. Before they committed those sins, He had already suffered for that on the cross. And as the time goes on, we can see more and more of a pile of sins. It must have really been a horrible experience that we can't not even comprehend to take on the shame of all that horrible sin. Read verse 2 again. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. That we know that we know Him when we keep His commandments. What are His commandments? As it continues, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his, his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Once again, in him. He's in us and we're in him. That's the believing. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Walk as Jesus Christ walked. How did he walk? He walked with the love the love for everyone, even for the filthy sinners that are out there. Can we truly have that kind of love for our neighbor as He's commanded us to have, as He's directed us to have, as He has allowed us to have? Now, He has given us the gift. Therefore, we can share the gift, the gift of the love of God, the gift of that light to come into us. Because if we try to just give of ourselves, that isn't adequate. 
that isn't enough. But when we give what the Lord can give through us, then we're doing it right. Get ourselves out of the way, let the Holy Ghost begin doing a work, and then through us, give to others. As we go to so often because it is so important, the two great commandments that he emphasized. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Basically, that means your whole existence. So all your heart, that means what is most precious to you. And with all your soul, that means your very life force that is within you is devoted to Him, which is our reasonable service, as it says in Romans. It's only reasonable that we should give ourselves fully to Him because He gave Himself fully to us. And with all our mind, that, I dare say, may be the most challenging for all of us. Because our minds wander around all kinds of temptations and things that we shouldn't be going into. It starts in our mind. We look at things. We hear things. And then the next thing you know, we're getting off the straight and narrow. We're not showing our love for the Lord. It starts in the mind. But He gives us a new mind. It's renewed. And in that, we can start afresh. And when we trust in the Lord, study His Word, listen to the Holy Ghost, then we can have our thoughts altered and get away from those thoughts of the evil of the past or the evil of the present that is all around us. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. That means it's the most important. That's the starting point. When you truly love God, when you truly love God, the Holy Ghost is in you. You listen to the Holy Ghost and then you want to be led by the Holy Ghost and you yield to the Holy Ghost. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you love others as yourself, you've brought that in and you have that full love Loving God and loving others. I dare say, I don't know anybody, not even myself, that loves all your neighbors as yourself. You know good and well, even if you just took it in the narrowest look and thought about your neighbors that you live next to, or that live above you or beside you or next door, or, you know, you've got neighbors that you might say, well, they do this, they do that, they aggravate me to this and that. And... Do you truly love them as much as you love yourself? But this goes beyond just those narrow-minded, just thinking about your actual physical neighbors that live next to you. He's talking about all mankind. Do you love everyone as much as you love yourself? Like I say, I don't know anybody that does. But that's what we're supposed to do. Jesus Christ did that. We're supposed to walk like Him. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to have that kind of love. And that love is part of the sharing of the greatest gift that was ever given, love itself. To love others that much. It's challenging. When we truly do those two to the fullest, then we have full access to everything we pray for. It will all come to be, because that's what He tells us. When we follow His commandments, whatsoever we ask, He'll do to bring honor and glory to the Lord. When we truly do those two. But as I said, I don't know anybody that does. Because I confess, I don't myself. Because there are things that people do that I don't like. And it brings up emotion that I shouldn't have. But we've got to understand Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. 
We've got to get out of that stuff. We've got to know that sin results in death. What is death? Death is separation. You can have the ultimate death, which is the second death, which is total separation from God for eternity in the lake of fire. We all know we're going to suffer a physical death, this body. We're going to depart from this body because we're going to separate from this body whether it be because of natural death or because someone murders us or because we get raptured, we'll separate from this body and receive a glorified body. So we know that kind of separation. But there's a degrees of death also. There's degrees of death, which means separation from the kind of relationship that we have available if we stay in the full grace of God, if we stay in the full obedience to the Lord. We can have the ultimate life we can be benefiting fully from that gift when we truly stay completely reconciled with the Lord. But when we do sin, it's like taking a piece of paper and starting to tear it. We're starting to tear things apart. When we sin, whatever that sin may be, whether it's a sin against someone else, sin against yourself, or sin against God, it's separating you from the perfect relationship that you could have. And you're not fully benefiting from that wondrous gift. So we've got to get things brought back together. We've got to get things reconciled. How do we do that? We trust in the Lord. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we truly trust in Him. And then ask for the ability to be able to share His love with others out there. In that, then we're fulfilling what He told us, that great commission to go out and preach and teach the gospel. The gospel is good news. The good news of salvation. The good news of the free gift that is available. The good news of that such an awesome gift that is by grace. If you will look at Romans in chapter 5. Right up from the very beginning. He's teaching the church at Rome here. This is Paul teaching the church at Rome concerning salvation. Concerning the finished work of Jesus Christ. And concerning where it all began. What it was all about. In Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, being justified by faith means being found innocent because of your faith in Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing the tribulation work with patience. Patience, experience, and experience, hope. Now, through our works, the devil's going to get up and as active as he possibly can to stop you from being a, an active Christian. He's going to stop you from sharing that gift if he can. Those are some of the tribulations that we go through. And then the persecutions that we'll suffer when people see us giving that gift that they're jealous of. Persecutions come in. But what does it do? It teaches us patience, and patience teaches us hope. Hope is that confident anticipation and the expectation of the fulfillment of the prophecies and promises of God. When we truly have that hope, then we are at peace, no matter what the situation is. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Notice, by the Holy Ghost. It didn't come just from us. It's coming from the Holy Ghost. So when we truly and fully yield to the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost, we can love our neighbors as ourselves. 
And hope make it not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Another gift. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Once again, pointing out, it's by His grace. Bunch of filthy sinners, He died for us, giving us the ability to become cleansed, to be saints. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, recognizing that through His finished work, we have the atonement, we have the relationship, we have the reconciliation, we have the forgiveness, we have salvation. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Going all the way back to Adam. For until law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that have not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. See, even though we didn't do the same sin that Adam did, we all come into this world sinners because we're descendants of Adam. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Only had to be one give the ultimate gift, and that was Jesus Christ. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. See, we all sin because we come into this world sinners. We all come into this world spiritually dead. We, like the Lord, were created in the image of God. Therefore, we are like the Lord. We are body, soul, and spirit. We come into this world spiritually dead. Jesus Christ gave us the availability of becoming born again and become spiritually alive. Because of what Adam did, everyone is born spiritually dead. Because of what Jesus Christ has done and is doing, we all have the availability of becoming born again, once again becoming complete, becoming a trinity, body, soul, and living spirit, which communes with the Holy Ghost that comes into us at that time. Verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Notice, it is available to all people, but everyone doesn't take that gift and apply it. 
For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Notice it didn't say all be made righteous, it said many. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but there, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. That power of that influence, that power and authority through the finished work of Jesus Christ to provide salvation for anyone who will receive that free gift that He's holding out, beckoning people to come on in and please receive this free gift. They merely need to come after it, receive it, apply it, and then they can enjoy it. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, it isn't that we work for that gift. It isn't that it is payment for services rendered. No, it's a gift, free gift. And if it was something that we could earn, then we could brag about it. That's what he's saying, that no man boasts. You can't brag that, look what I have achieved. I worked myself to heaven. Nope, doesn't work that way. It's a free gift given to us by Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. We can't even comprehend it. It's beyond our ability to understand how such a precious gift could be given to someone who doesn't deserve it because we don't deserve it. We look around, we make our gift lists, and we decide how much we're going to give this person or that person. And we might be thinking, oh, well, I gave them a really good gift last year, and they didn't give me nothing back, so I'm not going to give them nothing this year. I'm just going to send them a card. You know, stuff like that we get to thinking about. That isn't a gift by grace. That's a gift by, well, I'm going to pay them back because they did something good for me. The true love, true gift giving is based upon grace, whether they deserve it or not. And we have that wondrous opportunity to be able to share that gift with others, that great commission that He has given us. Just like He says also over in Mark, in Mark chapter 15, excuse me, chapter 16 and verse 15, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have the opportunity to share it with everyone. Today's technology is so easy to spread it out all over the world. So let's take that love that Jesus Christ has shown for us. Let's take that most precious gift and share it with others out there because it is truly the gift that keeps on giving. It is the gift that we have been given that we can give away and still keep for ourselves. It is the ultimate unspeakable gift. It is the gift of God, the gift of salvation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank You for that ultimate unspeakable gift that we truly did not deserve. But help all of us strive to fulfill those two great commandments, to love You with all of our existence and to love others as ourselves. We find that as such a challenge, but help us overcome that challenge and do what You have available for us to do to bring You honor and glory. Not ourselves, but only You. We thank You oh, so much for all of it. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, Amen. If you would please stand.